Love you. Thank you. Good morning or good afternoon, everybody. This is my second service. It'll be my third I'll get to do today. Hallelujah. Amen. We're so glad to have David and his wife and all of them there and all my friends. And so Miami and I are getting closer together. I used to come and preach in Miami when I was younger and some of you weren't here yet. And, uh, but Miami's changed and now you're the new up and coming tribes. And so we're very happy to be a part of you. We just started a new church in Orlando. Our church is only 10 weeks old, so we have a baby little church. And so when you come to Orlando, you can come visit us. We're on Sunday nights at 5 o'clock in Winter Park area. And it's the second church I've built, and uh, so we're very excited about it. The Lord gave me a vision when I was a little boy. He showed me two bouncing oranges, I know. And uh, the one orange got real bright, and he said, you'll live the first half of your life on the West Coast where oranges are important, and that one faded. The next one got real bright orange, and he said, you'll live the last half of your life on the East Coast where oranges are important. So when I was 40, I'm 51 now, when I was 47 years old, I thought, well, I might want to get to the East Coast and start the last half of my life. And so I moved to Sarasota, I thought Florida equals oranges. And uh, so I was there for about 10 years, went to England for five of those years. And uh, then the Lord began to say, build me a church. Well, I'd preach for all the churches in Sarasota, Bradenton, and it's just not ethical to preach for everybody and then build a church there. So I said, Lord, that's not ethical. So I, I tune him out. I know you never do that, but I'm guilty that... He would start talking, I'm like, I can't do that. So finally one day, I guess I didn't tune him out fast enough, so he got through the rest of the statement. He said, I didn't say here. I said, they were in Orlando, where there's Orange County, Orlando. So my call was an hour and a half outside of my geographical will of God. So we moved last year to um, Orlando, to Orange County, so we're starting the second half of our life. And uh, so we plan to live and die. We bought houses, so we're here to stay. We're not these transient people that come in and take your money and disappear. We want to be here and marry, bury you, and birth your babies. How's that? Amen. We like to do it all. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles if you have them. And uh, uh, I love being the part of the church. I love all the stuff that goes with church, even some of the weird things that happens in church. At least it's entertaining. And uh, so there's always to be a part of it. And you that have been a part of the church all your life, I salute you. Thank you for being faithful to God's house and being a part of it, and uh, not everybody's faithful. Uh, some people have been offended, some people have been uh, disappointed, and you have to kind of work through that because things happen. It's called life. Everybody smile. I'm not going to preach any damnation. You can be happy today, and it's, it's nice. And uh, John 14, we'll start in just a moment. How many have read any of my books? Can I see your hand? I've written 78 books. How many have read none of my books? Can I see your hand? Now, you're all in sin. <laughs> And the only way to get rid of this sin is read one of my books, okay? So let me go through just a few of them. And uh, Pastor mentioned the God's Generals books. There's six in the, in the series so far. There'll be 12 when I'm done. It's where I write about different revivalists that God has used in the past to tell you their story, what they did great, what they overcame. If they made a mistake, what was it? So we can learn from that. The reason why it's good to read on what God did, it'll encourage that he can do it again and something bigger and better. Amen. So if God can use Catherine Kuhlman that way, he can use you that way with some more on top of it. Thank you for the one amen from the back row. Do you all know who Catherine Kuhlman is? Or I start over with her? All right. Just want to make sure. All right. Just, just want to make sure. And then, then this one here is God's you know, a healing evangelist. There's other ones back there. In this one, we talk about Oral Roberts, Charles and Francis Hunter, Lester Summerall, F.F. F. Bosworth, and George Jeffries. Some of them you'll know, some of you don't know, but I knew a lot of them. And uh, Frances Hunter, the lady right there, was 90 years old when I, I interviewed her. She, uh, I asked her before she got saved, what, was your, what did you do for a living? What was your career? How did you make a living? 
She got real quiet and I thought, did I ask a bad question? And uh, she, had, she had the big I Love Lucy eyelashes, you know those big ones like that? And um, so they kept batting them and I thought, well, I'll just stare back until you tell me. And uh, she finally said, I was a printer. And the logical question was, what did you print? Stationery, newspapers, whatever. And she got real quiet and her eyes began to do that. And I thought, what is up with this question? And uh, well, I'd known her because I'd been to my church before to speak. And she looked at me and she goes, I printed porn. And I about dropped my eyelashes. And uh, <laughs> I thought, you didn't, Francis. She goes, I drank, I smoked, I told dirty jokes, I printed porn. I said, what a story. And God used you as a healing evangelist. After all of that, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> Amen. So you're not perfect. God just fixes your life and makes your testimony great and gives you a new start. So you'll enjoy all of those books. And there's the story of Catherine Kuhlman. I saw her three times and met her as a little boy. Uh, she's the greatest preacher I've ever seen in my life. And I've had the honor of knowing most of the ones alive today. But there is no one as great as Catherine Kuhlman. It's not what you saw that was so wonderful. It's what you felt for three to four hours. You could feel the anointing. Uh, I can sort of my little flesh would just quiver just enough where you could feel it three or four hours. And then you got mad because it was over four hours later. And we try to get you to sit in church for an hour. There's a problem. The first thing that leaves when glory shows up is time. When you're in the glory, time disappears. So that'll help you to know if you're conscious how long I'm preaching, how long the music is. You're not in the glory yet. You're still in the flesh. Amen? So just a thought. And then I wrote a book about my vision of heaven when I was a little boy. And then you like this one. Uh, I got tired of all the end time prophecy people scaring everybody to death. The Antichrist is alive. 666 is coming. Ooh, earthquakes, all these things. Now, all those things are probably true. But I wrote a book on what we get to do in the last days before Jesus comes. Because even though there may be bad things, there is fun stuff we get to do. It's called the end time adventure. And so we get to do all the fun things in the last days. So quit trying to leave earth so early. Enjoy your earth life. When you get to heaven, there's no souls to save. No churches to build. No Holy Ghost baptism to give. No miracles to do. No money to raise to build things and do things for God. Welcome to earth. Enjoy it and quit complaining. Amen. You're only here for 100 years and then you die. Get over it and have a good time. Yeah, you're still not ready for me yet. All right. But, you know, quit. I want Jesus to come. Well, I do too, but not too soon. I kind of like earth. I know there's some problems. and I know people are nervous because Mr. Trump's president and all this stuff's going on. But I like it. And I don't mind dying to give another billion people a chance to get right with God. Amen. So either way is fun. Rapture or death, you only go once, so do it fun. You only die once, so do it dramatically. Yeah, you're still not ready for me. Those are just my announcements. Most folks don't talk about that because we think of going old age and crumpled up and tubes and everything, and I understand that, but let's start talking about miracles and how to die Bible ways. Let's die at a party. Call all your family and friends together. Hand out your inheritance so there's no fussing after you're dead. Give everybody prayers and prophecies and then go, bye, and fall over. That's how you die. Amen? So that's how I want to die. I want to die behind a pulpit. Preach real good and strong and fall over and scare the sinners into the altar. So that's the way I kind of want to die. Just shock them all real good. He died. 
You will too. You better get right. That's how you do it. Use my death as an altar call, okay? So if you're there and I die that day, jump on the stage and cast the net and get people saved, all right? He's dead. Where are you going when you die? He's really dead. And you know, milk it. <laughs> yeah, all right. My first time here. Welcome. Hallelujah. John 14, we're going to take a few moments and go to the scriptures. I love your church. I love your building. I was telling the lady there on the back, there's so much more fun in church today than when I was a kid. I had to come in suits and ties and sit like this, and the donuts were in the fellowship hall, not during church. I mean, you got donuts on the back row while I'm preaching. That's so wonderful. Before, the usher would come <coughs> and make you go to the back room and do it. But we, look at your room. You got lights. You got this. I mean, hello. It's fun. You know, you don't get it. You weren't in church for a whole life like I was. I went to Sunday school where... It was sock puppets and flannel sticky people on the little flannel board. Okay, that's how far I go back. So this is great. Amen. In John 14 and verse 12, we're going to read a prophetic word that Christ gave. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he and she that believes on me, the works that I do shall he and she do also. And greater works than these shall he or she do because I go to my Father. What I want to do here this morning is to help define greater works for you so that you know what we're doing a lot of you are doing greater works and just don't know it and I want to help bring that into a clarity to you and then talk about the importance of what's going on today in our nation there are two things that Jesus said we are to do his works and greater works greater works do not replace the works they're in an addition to so he said you shall do the works I do and greater works. So and is the conjunction that connects the two. It does not replace. It puts the two together. Everybody with me? And so he says, the works that I do shall you do also. So if we are born again and spirit-filled Christian, we should be able to do the works of Jesus because that is the basic Christian life that we have. Hold your place in St. John and go to Matthew 4 just for a moment and let me very quickly give you to me the best job description of the works of Jesus from the scriptures. Matthew 4, if you got your Bibles, open them or turn your phones on or you can read them behind me. There's three ways you can get them today, all right? In Matthew 4 and 23, it says, and Jesus went about all of Galilee. Number one, Jesus was a traveler. Every Christian has a go in them. Find out what your go is to do. Some go across the street, some go across the nation, some go across the world. Find your go and enjoy the kind of go that God gave you. But everybody has a go. Amen? So I don't want to go. That means you're rebellious. Jesus went about all. He was a goer. So please be willing as a Christian to leave your comfortable world and your environment and your part of Miami and go someplace that's not familiar to you to be a light and a witness and a help. Amen. And you will find that America is now a mission field. Tell your neighbor, America is a mission field. All right. You don't have to go to Africa. Just come to Miami. Go to L.A. Go to Orlando. And just welcome to America. It's the first time in American history that we need to look at our country as a mission field. And so it is time to act like missionaries in our own country. When you go overseas, most people go crazy because they're leaving in 10 ways. Why don't you just live like that here and not come back and be intimidated by the culture, 
the little innuendos that you get because you know what Americans act in their expression, so they intimidate you, and you pull back from being a missionary kind of person in our own country. So may God empower you to overcome all the little expressions that try to make you feel odd. Good preaching, Brother Roberts. Amen. And he says, he went about all of the synagogues, or we'd say in our vernacular churches today, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and teaching. So Jesus did two things. He taught and he preached. Every believer needs to be taught and needs to be preached to. Now, they are two different functions. Preaching is a declarative type of ministry where it is a bold and strong declarative statement like God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. And today is your day for your miracle. That's preaching. Teaching is this. God is good and he's sovereign. He can do anything he wants to do, but he decided to be good all the time. And you begin to explain that his nature, that he is a love God. He is full of light. He's full of life. Three things that God's essence is, is love, light, and life. So you start teaching. So he did, he did both. When he found people with no faith, he did not condemn them. He taught them. Faith does not come by humming. It comes by hearing the word of God taught and preached to you. If you want your faith to grow, feed it. Don't cuddle it. Amen. All right. Then he goes on to say in this verse that he healed all kinds of sickness that were among the people. And verse 24, he became famous for this. And they brought to him sick people. And then they were taken with different diseases and torments. And those that were possessed with the devil. And those that were mentally ill. And he healed them with the palsy. And he made them all whole. So Jesus did two things here. He healed sick people. And he took care of demons that were afflicting people. So Jesus' job description, the works of Jesus, this is a simple way to teach it, is he preached and he taught, he traveled, he healed, and he made demons obey him and leave people alone. And that was his works that he did in simple terms. Everybody got that? So every one of you should be able to do what we call the works of Jesus. Teach, preach, heal, deliver, do the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, you know, uh, we just started a new church and there's going to come a special Sunday not far from now called Passport Sunday in my church. Because you can't be a member of my church unless you have a passport. How can you be a goer if you can't go? Good morning, everybody. Maybe you should all have a Passport Sunday and you don't really have a service. You have the little camera that takes the picture, fill out the application, and you apply for your passport. Or you bring yours is already done. Because sometimes a lot of Christians don't have a passport. So when God tells them to go to Canada or Cuba or wherever, they can't even cross the border, letting them get on a plane and go somewhere. Good preaching, Brother Robert. Amen. So some people need to get healthy. You cannot go to foreign countries in the physical condition that you're in. The heat alone could kill some people. The environments of walking everywhere because they don't have cars or roads that are worth driving on. Good preaching, Brother Robert. Say, well, I'm not called to do that. No, you're just that. No, you're just not healthy. And you're going to have to get yourself physically healthy to do the gate commission in the last days. Now, if I made you mad, I don't care. All right, because I had people in my church years ago, I feel called to China. I like Chinese food. I like Chinese music. I like Chinese people. But they couldn't get on a plane and go to China because they weren't healthy enough to do that. Why won't God send me? You can't do it. Go work on it. Now, that's for somebody, not being mean, but I'm leaving in a few minutes, so it's okay to say this. 
All right? Praise the Lord. Good preaching, Brother Arch. Now go back to John 14 and verse 12. You still like me yet? Are you still voting on me? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Verily, brother, I say unto you, the works that I do shall he and she do also. So we defined it very simply. Now, there's more you could add to that. But here is the thing that I like to focus on. And greater works than these shall you do also. So this means, he said, greater works than these. Greater than healing. Greater than delivering. Greater, greater works than these. Now, some people would explain greater works like this that you raised more dead people than Jesus did. Now, I hope that's possible because you've lived longer than he did on earth. He left at 33. Most of you are over that. Not all, but most. So hopefully in your life, you've raised more dead people than Jesus because you've been here longer and you've seen more dead people. You know how quiet it is in our Baptist church today. And another thing about greater works, people, some people say that they are works that are not recorded in the Bible. Now that's illegal. Everything that God does, he has done it in a way where the word and the spirit agree. Now that is for the purpose of us. Yes, God can do anything he wants to do. And he decided for our sakes to make sure that what he does and what the written word says agree. So that you and I know that we're operating in the right spirit responding to the right spirit and giving the right thing to people around about us because there are spiritual activities out there that are not from God. They're from the other side. They're from the demonic side. They're from mixtures of things of human and demonic. And there are things you go, well, that's the Lord. No, not everything supernatural is from Jehovah. So that's why you got to know the Bible. The Bible and the spirit agree. What the spirit does, the Bible records. What the Bible talks about, the spirit performs. These things agree. So if you think greater works are things outside the written record, then you're already illegally operating. That is not greater works. Good morning, everybody. Everybody still with me? Uh, I make you think sometimes when I preach. That's what's happening right now. So I'm provoking thoughts and bugging some other people who kind of thought they had it all figured out. And they don't quite get. Some people... We'll use the verse that if everything Jesus did was written, the books could not contain it. Well, that may be true that not every exact thing that Jesus did is recorded, but we have enough of the written record to know in what parameters by which Christ did all of his motivational work. So we know that whatever Christ did is not recorded will fit somewhere in the categories of the things that we see in Scripture. It'll fit there. Amen. It may be different circumstances by which he met the crippled or he come upon the dead person or there may be things that we have a different storyline, but the overall principle is going to be Christ does these things and does them these ways. Now, here is the interesting thing in defining greater works. Go back to verse 12. I go to my father. So greater works has to be discovered and defined with a timeline. What were things, he said, because I go to my Father, these things will happen. So, greater works can be found in Scripture. But we have to know the timeline. The timeline was when he ascended on high, greater works were activated. So, with that timeline in mind, we have to go back into the biblical record and ask the question, what happened that did not happen before Christ's ascension? 
What were the things that happened after he ascended that did not happen while he was here on the earth? That's how we discover and define and locate greater works. Greater works is not outside the biblical record. It's inside the record with the understanding what was happening after his ascension that was not found before. Everybody following? All right. So because of time, I'm going to move quickly through the first three of them. All right. Number one, the first thing that happened after Christ ascended that was, did not happen while he was here and before was salvation was not available to the human race. The first and the greatest of all the greater works is the new birth experience given unto man to receive it. Now, notice how low your amen was on that. If I would have said, glory clouds with glowing vapors and Gabriel poking his head out of it going, hello, we go, wow. But you, we almost got to the place where the enemy is trying to get us to focus on things that are not actually biblical and more emotional and not having the works of the Lord in the earth so we won't do them. There was no salvation for the human race. Before Christ ascended and did the redemptive work that he did at the throne room of God and made all things right finally after Adam and Eve, then salvation was given to everybody for whosoever will can believe and receive. That meant before then nobody was born again. Nobody had relationship with the Father on a free flow after he was born, uh, went to heaven. That is a greater work. Now that should excite you. That should make you happy. You say, well, I want a foot on the air. No, you don't. Go get somebody saved and do a greater work. See, that never makes anybody happy because we are so Old Testament in wanting sensations and wanting visible, visible things and feeling things that we sometimes ignore the most powerful thing is to pass from spiritual death unto spiritual life. That is a greater work. So let me ask it like this. How many have ever got somebody born again? You did a greater work. You're already doing greater work. So when you go to evangelism and you win your neighbor, you win your friend, you win your son, your daughter, you're doing a greater work. So you should be excited to know that this is the greatest of greater works. But that's why people, oh, that's nice. Let me say it this way to us charismatics here. The greatest miracle ministry in our lifetime is Billy Graham. Now that never goes over in a charismatic spirit-filled church. Because we go, well, he don't pray for the sick. No, he doesn't. I don't think he's opposed to it. But how many people did that man get saved? Think of how many greater works he did just that one. We haven't talked about the other one. That's that one. So let us full gospel people put back into our heart the wonders and the power of the new birth experience. Let's get on fire to get people born again, to sow the seed, to bring them to Christ and experience that greater work and doing that greater work that did not happen until Christ ascended, then salvation was available to the human race. That's the first one. The second thing that, was, that happened after Christ ascended, he sent the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit's coming and filling those who will receive him like that is a phenomena. There was no Holy Spirit infilling 
until Christ ascended and sent the Holy Ghost. The only ones that had any type of Holy Spirit activity in the Old Covenant was the prophet, the priest, and the king. And they had it just, you know, on them, not in them. So for the first time in world history, the Spirit of the Most High would not just come by and let you see his goodness. He'll come and go right into an open heart and fill you up with his mighty presence and his mighty power and dwell in you and help you in your everyday life and in your ministry and in your purpose. He gives you all. That's a phenomenon. That's a greater work, folks. And sometimes we go, oh, that's nice. No, it's nice. It's wonderful that the Holy Ghost would live in you of all people. Think about that. You, the tired you. He told me he was tired today when he came to church. Think about the Holy Spirit lives in you by you opening and welcoming him. That is a greater work. That did not happen until Christ ascended. Greater works can be defined, but we have to dust them off and realize how wonderful these things are, that they're not always a sensational spectacular on the outside, but it is a wonderful happening on the inside that gives you a great thing. And it does not replace the works of Christ. This is in addition to. It's not one, you still heal the sick. You still cast out devils. You still raise the dead. And you get saved. And you have the Holy Ghost. And, I'll give you another one in a minute. All right, now let me talk about this for a moment. Another part of the greater works is speaking in tongues. Ah! Ah! Oh! Yes, tongues, talking. That's my tongues. No one spoke in tongues until after Christ's ascension. So you can define another greater work is the Holy Spirit's indwelling and the ability granted by his indwelling to speak a glossolalia, as they call it, or to speak a supernatural God language that assists you in your everyday life. So speaking in tongues is a greater work. So how many of you have ever spoken in tongues or speak in tongues? All right? That is called a greater work. Every time you go, you did a greater work. Now, most folks don't know the benefits of it. That's why I wrote a book about it, so it can help all folks know the benefit of speaking in tongues because it's one that's going, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just saying, I spoke in tongues once 20 years ago, so I got the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm glad you did, but there's a life of the Holy Spirit and a work of the Holy Spirit, and it is a part of speaking in tongues. Now, with our kind of churches, yours and mine, we like vibrating and we like falling down we're like doing all these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That's why some folks think we're crazy. We actually act crazy sometimes. I, I confess. I know if you don't know what's going on, you walk in and you're a Baptist or you're a Lutheran. You walk into our church, you go, oh, God, get me out of here. Because it, it, I, I understand where they come from. You have to give them a little grace from your heart because you come into a room and you got donuts everywhere. You got coffee everywhere. You, you look like you're in a club. Just, and I'm not, I'm not knocking, but just think for a moment. If you're coming from that world into this, your offering's done by a machine in the back, there's no buckets. No envelope, got, you know, all, you know how church is. 
So you come from that kind of life, and you walk into this, and our music is different? I mean, look at them. We're singing songs that we don't know who wrote. We don't know the story about them. We're reaching, we're, you know, we're doing all kinds of things in our music. And they're traditional. Amazing Grace, great song. You should sing it once in a while, it'll be nice. If you even know it. Do you even know it? Are you sure you know more than just the first fine? Do you know why it was amazing? You know why the song Amazing Grace is the anthem of Christianity around the world? Do you know who wrote it? Probably not. Because in our churches, we don't really like those things because they're too traditional. Well, sing them once in a while, you'll like them once you know the story. It was a slave owner, a slave shipper. They were taking slaves out of Africa to the New World, to the Caribbean, to America. And all the evil they did on by capturing them and bringing the slaves on the boat, throwing them over the boat when it got too heavy or they got sick, and, they, and the way they treated was merciless. It was evil. And this slave ship guy felt so terrible about his life and what he had done to these beautiful people that he thought God would never save his wretched soul and his terrible life and his evil acts. And one day, the mercy of God came to him and saved his soul. And no matter how evil he had done, God's hand reached for him too. And he came up out of that moment, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, here's words, like me. That's where it came from. I was blind, but now I see. Hear his song? That's why it's a great song for the whole church. If a God can save a man that evil and birth a song that beautiful out of his experience, you should sing it once in a while. Amen? Praise God. But go back to my sermon now. I took it on a historical vein just for a moment. But when they come into your church, and that's where they've come from, they think we're all on crack. <laughs> now, you can understand where they come from, because some of you came from those worlds, and you come, now you've been in for a while, so you know how to do the whole thing, and you get it. They don't get it. But it's okay. And then they hear people going, <laughs> and they And sometimes the way we do some of this stuff gives off an air of really weirdness. And I don't know if you can ever make everything totally acceptable in the natural when you're not born again, and you're not spirit-filled, you're kind of like, oh, that's why you have to kind of grow into some understanding. But give them a little room. But speaking in tongues is a part of a greater work. So we should not, though, be ashamed of it. We should not, though, be lack to express it or even demonstrate it for them that are interested about it. They, are you one of those tongue talkers? Yes, you want to hear it? <laughs> just come at it with joy and be ready. Okay. Really? Yeah, and brrr, just let them have it. Just stand there and go, brrr, let it flow. They may run from you, or they might run to you. But you don't have to be the side one, a little weird. Be normal. Speaking in tongues is normal. You don't pray in tongues, you're kind of weird. Let's put the horse in the cart the right way. Everybody still with me? 
why I'm on the subject, and your prayer language should grow. You shouldn't say the same thing for 25 years. Shimmy, shimmy, shoot. Now, there are people probably in this room that have said the same utterance for 25 years or five years, and that's like saying, mama, 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 oh, mama. You're, you're saying mama with different emotion, but it's still mama. Now, that's not speaking in tongues. That's called stammering lips that need some help. Your prayer language should have a fluency. It should grow, and it should be beautiful. It should be powerful. It should be effective, and it should just be wonderful. And when people want to hear it, let them have it. They say, well, sit down, and I'll let, you, let me hear you pray in tongues and pray in tongues for a couple minutes, and just let them either get it or run for their life. But don't you be afraid. Your prayer language should have, a, have developed. That's where I start. Your language should have a flow and a fluency to it. Every one of you, from the babies to the grandmas and the grandpas. It's called speaking in other tongues and it's called a greater work. Thank you for the four amens on that. All right? Are you enjoying my message so far? You invited me. Thank you. Now, here's the third one. Greater work, another greater work, is the building of the church. There was no church until Christ ascended. So the advent of the body of Christ, the church we call it, and the local church is a greater work. Now, Mother Roberts, that don't sound exciting. Yes, it is. Quit being religiously stupid. There was no church before. The church was created when Christ ascended, and on the day of Pentecost, it exploded from 120 waiting to 3,120 in one day. The church came as an explosion into the earth, and the devil's been trying to quiet it down and control it and keep it small, broke, and weird since the day it was born. And it is time that we in America dust it back off and make it healthy, strong, and powerful again. Oh, hallelujah. The local church is a greater work. Now, let me go down this road for a second. When I was a little boy, I'm 51, so I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either, okay? I'm one of those in-between times in people's lives called midlife crisis, I think they call it. <laughs> I don't want the crisis, midlife is fine. And um, when I was a little boy, there was always been attitudes against the church in society. I don't go to church, I don't like the church, hypocrites go to church. I hope all the hypocrites go to church because that's how they get fixed. The hypocrites are full of, the church is full of hypocrites. Great, that's where they belong. All the goofy people in Miami need to come to church and get fixed by the word and by the spirit, amen? Thank you for the four amens from my friends. How about the rest of you? All right. So there has always been an anti-Christ, anti-church spirit. But what has happened in recent times, that which was on the outside has now become inside of the church, where people of the body are having the same attitude about the church that they used to have on outside the church. This is a problem. What that is is the Antichrist spirit has now found its way to come in and find an acceptability in the mind and in the heart and in the vocabulary 
of God's servants and God's children. That is a problem. And that is why there is, I don't like the church. It's boring. It's because you are boring. It's not because the church is boring. It's because you are boring. Thank you for the one amen from my friend on the front row. <laughs> are you indicting me? Yes. Now, let's look at it like this. Let's take Tiger Woods. Everybody knows Tiger Woods has an underwear problem. All right? So it's nothing new. But if we took the same attitude that we take toward the church, well, the church and the preachers, you know, they have, they have sexual problems and money problems. And yeah. All right, let's, 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 let's confront that. Let's say there's three million pastors. There's probably more of them. Let's just take the number three million. Out of three million, 0.3% of the three million have made mistakes. All the rest of them have lived honorably, have lived sacrificially, have even sacrificed their own family's want for the sake of God's family. The majority of God's leaders have done honorable in leading God's people for decades, if not centuries, in this country. Well, why is it? I didn't like the church. The church is within this. Where does that come from? Because the statement is not true. It is not statistically a fact. But in your mind and in the spirit of our time, it is true. And it's time that we confront it with natural facts and spiritual understanding. Most men and most women that pastor and lead have lived honorably their entire lives for God. Most of them. But no one ever gets up and says this. All we do is talk about the guy who dropped his underwear. Or who smoked something, who did something, and that does happen. But that's a small group of people, and many of them get restored. That's a miracle of God's grace and God's mighty power. But the attitude is, hmm, he'll take all your money. Really? Don't you think they'd have more if they took all your money? They would drive a better car, live in a better house, and go to a holiday worth going on? If they took all your money? They don't take all your money. They don't even get 10%. That's biblical. To take. They might get three. And you're complaining over 3%. You're in sin for not giving the 10, but that's a different sermon. <laughs> all right? I mean, let, let's think, that, let's go to Hollywood. Hollywood's crazy. Believe me, I know. They've been in my church. They're bizarre. But if we take the same attitude to every little crazy star that did something, we throw them all out. We don't, there is an antichrist spirit that is working today to undermine the power of the body, the local church, its government, its position in society, and we've allowed it to come in. How can you be against what Jesus is for? He said in Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How can you be against the church that Jesus loves and is building? I don't like the church. I'm not sure you like Jesus then. How can you be against, for the third time, something that Jesus is for and you're against it? And be a part of the family and be a part of the right flow. You might want to find out why you don't like it. You might want to find out what the attitude is. Where did it come from? Why is it that you'll go anyplace else 
and love it and endure what you don't like. You'll go to Hollywood and enjoy the Hollywood scene, some things you don't like, but you enter because it's Hollywood. You go to a sports event, you go to a whole thing, and there's some things you don't like about it, but you go because you like the game. I don't like that part, but it's okay. Come to church. <sighs> I don't like church structure. Why? Why don't you like structure? If you don't like structure, there'd be no rules over your medication, so the pharmacist would give you anything. You don't like structure, let's do that. You don't like structure, let's go to the food administration, so when you go to any restaurant, who knows how they prepared your food and how they cooked it, you can get sick and die. You don't like structure, enjoy it. <laughs> let's get on the freeways, let's all go down any side of the road we want to. I don't like structure, I hate structure. Then let's drive on the other side of the road because you don't like structure. Welcome to what you're saying. Why is it that you don't like structure in the church, but you like it every place else? Where did that come from? Why is it you get mad if the FDA did not make sure the pharmacists do right and, and McDonald's do right and everybody does right, and rah, rah, you're having a fit. But let the pastor set an order of how he wants prophecy to flow or how he wants it. I don't like this. I feel controlled. You are. There has to be control in the church so things are done decently in order, not bizarre and peculiar and demonic. Right. Amen. Amen? So, you're going to have to find out what greater works are, and greater works is salvation, Holy Spirit infilling and the empowerment, all the gifts and the graces, and another greater work is being a part of a local church. Why is it? You will go to a club at midnight when you should be going home and going to sleep. And you go to a place that's so loud, you have to scream with the person three inches in front of your face so they can hear you say, hi. And the music is so loud, your clothes are vibrating on your body. But you come to church, and you're like this. And you're like, What's wrong with you? Are you full of the devil yourself? Are you confused by a confusing spirit? See, no one talks like this because it offends you. I hope I rattled your cage to get you free. Because right now in our country and in our own peoples, there is an anti-work that is coming against the church from within us. We don't want salvation evangelism as much as we want to fall down and vibrate. I'd rather get somebody saved than vibrate. I'd rather speak in tongues than shake. When the Holy Ghost came and acts, they didn't vibrate, they spoke in tongues. So why is it? We'll do everything else but speak in tongues. Why is it we want every other manifestation than the number one that came on the day of Pentecost? And we fuss with it, and but we'll do this all day long. You'll sit in your chair and do that and call that normal, and I don't really have a scripture for that. I have a scripture for going, I have a tongue scripture. I don't have one for this. I get it. Give me, I get it. If you want to push the issue. I have tongue scriptures all through the Bible. Not that. Merry Christmas and happy fourth. Greater works is not extra biblical spectacularisms. It is everything that God wants us to do can be found in this holy writ. 
God did it that way to help us so that we know that what we're doing and what he is doing agrees and that we can operate with great boldness and great confidence with inside these borders. I don't want what's outside these borders. There is activity out there. There's cultism, psychics. There's demonic things, voodoo, all that stuff. There's some real stuff to that. But that's not what I'm cooperating with. I'm happy to live with inside the borders of the Word and the Spirit. And what this is, I'm happy to get everything in this book happening in my midst, flowing in our churches, happy in our souls, and to live in the greater works. I've only given you three. Another greater work is your access to the throne. There was no access to the throne until Christ ascended. All of a sudden, you get to go there yourself. Even if you got saved 20 seconds ago, you can boldly go right to the throne of grace and get what you need from our Father. Before them, the high priest could only go in once a year into that holy of holies. Now we have all have access because of Jesus. Please use your access. Hear God for yourself. The greatest prophetic ministry today is to teach people how to hear correctly God for themselves. That is one of the most powerful things to empower people with that you, anywhere you are, can hear God for yourself. And you can hear it for sure. You can accurately discern it and know that it's right and run. That's powerful. We've not taken away healing. We've not taken away deliverance. We've not taken, it's and. The works and greater works shall you do. So we need to do all of them. Can you say amen? amen. Give God a good clap offering. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Stand up on your feet. We're going to dismiss you. Did you enjoy the message? Yes. Are you sure? Can I come back sometimes and finish it? Yes. All right. Let me pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. You've got a great church. Be bold about it. Be strong. Don't be bashful and don't be ashamed. You are a great spirit-filled church growing in these graces and just expand and keep going and don't be afraid. Father, bless the people here today. Let the works of the Lord come alive in greater dimensions and let greater works become a passion in everyone's heart to win more souls and to have people receive the Holy Spirit with all of his evidences and all of his gifts and his graces to flow in their lives. And let this church grow and fill up and become bigger and stronger spiritually, naturally, in every other capacity. Bless them and bless this house today. Let greater works become the lifestyle of this house, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. See you next time. Hey, 